Spring is in full swing and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 beach thanks to the boardwalk plaza for being the bridge podcast network sponsor if there really is a god why do bad things happen to good people if you've ever thought that or asked something like that you found the right podcast i'm mark dickey i'm Bert miller this is the why do christians podcast Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Mark Dickey. I host the afternoon show on the Bridge Radio Station, which if you enjoy this podcast and you want to hang out with me a little bit more, you're more than welcome to join me three to seven on weekdays, Eastern Standard Time over at wearethebridge.org. My co-host is Pastor Bert Miller from Solid Ground Church. Bert, how you doing? Well, Mark Jitterbug Dickey, I think I'm doing pretty well. Just wake me up before you go-go. <laughs> Well, uh, we've got a a bit of a doozy on this episode. Um, we had, I was talking to a friend and she was like, Hey, uh, Amy, Amy's like, Mark, I love this podcast. It's, it's so much fun. And I love learning about all the different things you talk about. And she had a question for me and I thought, Oh, this would be a perfect episode. Okay. So Amy said, you know, I've got friends who don't believe in God or mm-hmm. uh, when I try to talk to them about God, they, they ask the question, you know, why, why do, you know, if there's, if there really is a God, why do bad things happen? You know, h- how do you share your faith with someone who is battling an illness that they did nothing to deserve? Sure. Um, but Amy, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I've actually learned <laughs> Uh, a lot about who God is through my recent diagnosis of type one diabetes, mm. uh, and an illness that I didn't do anything to deserve. There's, there's nothing I could have done to prevent it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I'm really excited to talk with you, Bert, about, you know, why these things happen and, and what does that say about who God is? And I think it's going to be a good episode. Yeah, man, let's go for it. Let's go for it. Um, you know the the hard part is we, we we can we we can have this conversation and we should. Um, there's not a way to approach it without baggage, right? Mm. None of us can do that. None of us can go. All right, you know what? I'm just going to objectively look at the world with no suffering in my past, so that I can arrive at an informed decision with no skin in the game. Wow. Um, yeah. All all of us are going to. Uh, wrestle through this question. I think it's important to realize a couple things up front. Number one, um, as long as there have been Christians, Christians have suffered, right? I mean, mm. um, most of Jesus' apostles were killed for their faith or, I mean, certainly tortured, beaten, wrongfully imprisoned. Um, and those were the leaders of the early church. Um, and so one of the biggest mistakes we could make would be to think, okay, you know what? Um, I'm hurting, which means there is no God. Like that, my pain is the thing that proves that God does not exist. Because what you're doing is you're interpreting your pain in a way that is not universal. So, 
um, you know, I, I could say it like this. Pain does not uh, put new things in us. It reveals what's already there. Um, and so um, there are people for whom their suffering has not driven them away from God. And it's not that uh, that they considered suffering to be antithetical to God's existence. In fact, their pain drove them closer to God. Um, and so I just want to be clear here that, you know, as we go into this, let's acknowledge that we might have some stuff on the table that we, we may rightfully want explanation for or, or not rightfully, depending on how, how you look at it. Um, but what we can never do is just say, all right, I'm purely objective in this. Like we're, we're going to be carrying something as we go into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I want to start with this quote from, uh, <laughs> I'll say his name is Epicurus. Oh, I- I say Epicurus. Epicurus? Okay. All right. Well, if you have a pronunciation, let us know. But uh, he said this, and you you may have heard this before. It's a very famous quote. Is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's heavy. It is. Yeah. Basically, if, if God allows it and he's he's not able to stop it, that means he doesn't have all the power. If he's surprised by it, it means he doesn't know everything. Um, so, scripturally speaking, like we can talk through there, there are different reasons why they're, they're, like people may suffer. Um I think something to understand um, first and foremost is um, we, we, we again, just, I, don't, I don't think we can gauge the question through whether or not um, God allows or doesn't allow anything because, because that kind of supposition basically it's faulty. And, and the reason it's faulty is it, it assumes that God only sees what we see and would only do what we would do. Hmm. Right. So like you and I we're products of a time that is limited we can only see what we can see. We have no idea how all of history plays out. We have no idea every life, how it intersects, where it's going, and all this stuff. And so let's 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 take off the table the idea that um, there can't be a reason why a good God would allow evil. I mean, if you're dealing with infinite possibilities, with infinite um, endings, theoretically, yes. Now, I might not ever understand it. I might not ever be okay with it. Um, I might feel betrayed by God, and those are those are things to absolutely think through. But what we can't say is, okay, because it exists, that means God cannot be good. Because God knows, like, you know, if God um, is omniscient, He knows everything. He He would have to know things that we don't, and so so that that can't be our reason for it. Um, so I I can give conjecture for why I think evil is here, um, and I can do that through what the Bible teaches about it, but. Again, from just a philosophical end, I can never say, okay, because it exists, that means there can't be a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, what we're appealing to is, is something greater than ourselves there, I, I think. Um, so if we're looking at the Bible and we're going, all right, like, why, okay, if, if God is good, you know, why is there evil in the world? The Bible opens up with a story, and the world that God creates is not the world as it is that we live in, right? So you go into Genesis 1, and... God brings order in the chaos, and he creates everything from nothing. He um, he brings life where there was no life. And every time God does something in the in the Genesis creation story, it says God looked, 
and saw that it was good. Just over and over and over again, God looked and saw that it was good, right? And and the creation story culminates in, in his creation of human beings. And um, he essentially, he hands it, the creation over to them. So, you know, like sometimes, uh, you know, in Genesis 1, like, those are like, you know, in the image of God, he made them male and female. He created them in the image of God. Sometimes people, we think, right, what is that all about? And we think, oh, it's a, it's people have souls or people have intelligence. And I mean, I, I think we have both of those things, but the best way to understand that would, would be to just ask the question, okay, how would the author of Genesis, uh, their original audience have understood that phrase, hmm. right? Um, and we probably have a pretty good idea of that based on the language of it. So thus far in the story, when it says like, you know, God said, and it was so, God said, and it was so, God said, and it was so, this is the way that kings talked. All right, the king hmm. would make a pronouncement, do this, and it, it'll happen. It'll be this, and, and that would happen. And so in Genesis 1, what we learn is that God is the king of creation. Like, he's over all of it, all right? And then as the story goes on, like, it talks about how, like, he fashioned the, the man uh, from the, the clay of the ground, right, and breathes into him. Okay, well, how would, how would a, uh, an ancient Near Eastern person understand that? Well, the way they would have seen that is they would have seen that as God fashioning an idol. Um, because idols oh, wow. because, because idols were they were points of contact with deities on the earth. Sometimes people, like they think the idol is just this thing of like, oh, it's a piece of wood, um, it's a piece of stone. And yes, physically that's true. And, and, that's, and that's why the, the prophets in the Old Testament mock people worshiping idols because they're like, it's, I mean, it's so dumb. It's, a, it's, it's not alive, it's a piece of wood, right? Um, but they viewed it as it was a, like the divine being that they were worshiping. It was that thing's point of contact with, with the earthly realm. And so when you come to Genesis uh, two and God fashions human beings out of it. It's the idea that human beings are God's uh, point of contact with the world. Huh. Okay. Wow. To, to, yeah. To the point where, like, you know, going earlier in Genesis one, when he talks about like God's commission to them, and he's like, um, "Rule over the earth, fill it and subdue it." Okay. Why rule over it? Because they're they're made in the image of God. Like God is the ruler. And so what we see is that the human beings are created to be his managers of creation. Okay, like he's handing all of it over to us to rule and have dominion over. Okay, now here's why this is important. Because as the story goes on, um, in Genesis uh, 3, a malevolent being enters in. And, and where it comes from, story does not care. Uh, but you you got this being that seems to be some kind of uh, supernatural being who takes the form of a snake. Right, and the snake basically gets the people to question God, and they rebel against God. They partner with the snake to rebel against God, and as a result, their relationship and fellowship with God fractures, and creation breaks. All right, now this is important because up until this moment, creation has been under the authority and reign of God through human beings, and it was good, and it was good, but now. Human beings reject God's way of creation because they want their own. And this is why Paul, years later, reflecting on it, can say this in Romans 5, 12. He says, therefore, just as sin entered the world, that rebellion against God, through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. In other words, through our first parents' rebellion and partnering with the snake, the world became not the way that God designed it. Okay, if God is light and life, now death comes in. If God is good, here comes evil. If God is peace, here comes anguish. If if God is justice, here comes injustice. Like 
you know, God, the giver of life, will enters disease and decay and suffering. Why? Because creation has been taken away from his reign by the people that he entrusted to. He gave it to us to rule, and we turned against him. And the other crazy part is this, okay? The other crazy part is what we learn as we're going through the whole of Scripture is that that act of rebellion, essentially, our first parents didn't hand it over to themselves. They gave the creation to the snake, all right? Which is why you find over and over again in the New Testament as as the, the authors are looking at the activity of Jesus in the world, they make it clear that the world is under a ruler, but it's not God. Hmm. Um, I'm thinking, for instance, like Second Corinthians uh, four four, where Paul says the God of this age, meaning temporarily, not forever, but the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Okay, who's who's the God of this age? It's who we would call Satan. It would be the snake. It would be the evil one. It's why when Jesus is tempted. In Luke 4, okay, um, there's a moment where one of his temptations is in Luke 4, starting verse 5, says, and the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. So it gives him this vision of all the people ruling the world. And listen to the way he describes it. Uh, he says, uh, to you I will give this authority and their glory, which is what the temptation for the first parents were, right? Like, hey, you can rule this instead of God. And he brings it to Jesus again. Hey, you can have this. You don't have to follow God. All right, and listen to this. But here's how he describes it. He says, um, I'll give it to all you. And then he says, for it has been delivered or handed over to me. Hmm. And I'll give it to whom I will. And at no point in that does Jesus call him a liar. Wow. Why? Because because the earth, I mean, we, we, we go on, we talk about in John, where he says, like, the ruler of this world will be ousted. Um this is important to realize, though. Like, if we get mad at the way the world looks, we need to look at two sources. We need to look at ourselves, and we need to look at the enemy of God. And so, if we're saying, like, how could a loving God allow the world to be this way? We first have to ask, how could a loving God allow us to exist? Hmm. So, I say that all to say that we live in a broken creation that is not the way God designed it. It is not living in his intention for it. But here's the good news. Ultimately, that's what Christians believe. We believe that God has not abandoned us to it, even though we have rejected his reign, rejected his authority. Instead, he has stepped into the world in the person of Jesus. He's taken the penalty for your sins and mine on himself. Okay, so even though our sin deserves the wrath of God because we've rebelled against him, Jesus took that wrath for us. And then even though our sin brings death, Ultimately, God will raise us from the dead and end all suffering and injustice the way that he raised Christ from the dead, that Jesus rose from the dead as, as the promise of what he will do for us. And so, and so we can look at the world and go, man, I, I hate the way that it is right now. And I would tell you, I think biblically speaking, God does too, hmm. but he's in the process of redeeming it. And so we, and well, how long will that take? It will take as long as it takes for it to be done perfectly. There's, there's a verse um, that's pretty famous in, in 2 Peter 3, 9, where Peter says that the Lord is not slow about his promise, like his promise of returning in glory and raising the dead and ending all of it. He says, but he's patient toward you, not wishing for anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Okay, so what's the reason that God is allowing things right now in the way that, that he is? Yeah. Because he's, he's waiting for the maximum number of people to be born and saved. 
like the, like like those who will be saved, like he is letting it flourish until it's complete, and in the moment that happens, it's done. Hmm. Okay, and and you can say, well, like, well, how long will that take? I, I mean, I don't I don't know, but here's what I do know. I do know that if we were to look at our own lives, and we were to say, well, I think God should be just all the time, um, most of us don't mean that, right? What most of us mean is we want God to be just towards the wrongdoing that we have suffered at the hands of others. But most of us hate the idea that God would divvy out wrath towards us if we wronged anyone, mm. right? Like, you know, I, I'm, well, this person over here hurt me. Okay, have you hurt anyone? Well, yeah, but, but, but not like that. But how do you know that? Because you're partial towards you, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, like if we want God to be really fair, then, then the really fair would obliterate us as well. Um, but if God is kind and patient and allowing us to go forward because ultimately he's going to save, that's an act of mercy. It's not an act of forsaking at all. Mm. I'm reminded of, in its most basic form, you know, I've, I've got a almost two-year-old at home, and I know more about the world than she does, mm-hmm. and I know more than she can comprehend yeah. in any situation of her life. And so when I am taking, when I'm working on getting the pacifier out of her life, yeah, uh, all she sees is... No, no, I love that. Why is why is this being taken from me? And you know, I know as the adult, like this this is happening for reasons you can't comprehend right, yet. Right. But in fifteen years, you're gonna be really happy that we didn't need to get you braces because <laughs> you know. Now that's a decision that the father makes. That's not the same thing as sin entering the world. Right. Um, but in its most basic form, that's the easy way to try and uh, explain that. Even though we don't get it, yeah, God is infinitely greater than us, yeah, and He gets it. Well, but it would also it would also be a mistake to think that because like if He allows, right, um, that that means He's indifferent towards. Hmm. Okay, so for instance, like you know, one of the things that that we've talked about on the show before, and I think it's always important to remember is that if you're curious what God is like, look at Christ, right. Like in Jesus, there's a reason that Jesus says, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. If we're curious like what God's personality is like, if we're curious what his heart is like, if we're wondering how he would respond in various situations, by looking at the man, Jesus Christ, who's also God, but God, fully God, fully man, um, we can see in ways we can understand who God is, okay? Hmm. And there's a story in John 11 where Jesus loses a friend, Lazarus. Lazarus dies, okay? Mm-hmm. And before Jesus goes to Lazarus's house, um, he tells his like his disciples, "Hey, I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead." Okay, and he tells them, "Hey, Lazarus has fallen asleep. Let's go wake him up." Um, and he's this is his verbiage for death and, and resurrection. Okay, gets to the house, people are wailing, and they're like, "You know, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died." One of his, his sisters says to Jesus, "And for how many of us isn't that kind of?" the the anguish that we feel lord if you had just shown up if you if you had just done the thing that i prayed for and begged you for it wouldn't be as awful as it is and the point is jesus chastised them for that he's never like how dare you instead he's like hey i'm i'm the resurrection like i'm the one who raises people from the dead like don't don't you believe that and and they try to theologize like yeah one day you know we think the resurrection will happen he goes no like me it's not an event it's a person it's me and so he 
um, he goes over to the grave of Lazarus and tells him, roll away the stone, you know. And it's interesting because Jesus knows what he's going to do. And I mean, we're, ta- we're talking, what, hours, minutes? I mean, like, it's not that long between his arrival and, and this miracle. And yet, even though the miracle is in front of him, even though he's got the greater purpose, shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five, when Jesus sees the way people are mourning, it says Jesus wept, mm. which means he felt their pain as well. He was not indifferent towards it at all. Mm. So he weeps, and then he raises uh, Lazarus from the, from the dead. You know, that also makes me think, Lazarus died. Yeah. It was, more, it was his friend. Mm-hmm. He didn't just snap his fingers and make Lazarus alive again. Yeah. Like there was a process. Yeah. And so, you know, the timing, you know, why do Christians suffer? Right. Like if you want to look at who God is, Jesus knew he was going to perform this miracle. And I don't know how God works, but I'm pretty sure Jesus could have just snapped his fingers and brought Lazarus back to life. Mm -hmm. And, avoided all of the pain and suffering that his family felt yeah. in that time that he was dead. Yeah. But it just goes to show you that there's more going on. I referenced at the top of the show the idea that that the early church was well acquainted. I mean, we none of us have ever completely escaped it, but certainly the early church was well acquainted with suffering, right? And there's uh there's this great ancient uh you know letter called the Epistle of James where it was James, Jesus' brother, who was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, he writes to people who um, are going through some things, and, he, and he's just giving them theological uh, advice and like for their lives that will help them. And he says this to them. This is in James 1, starting verse 2. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And that's a, that's a weird thing to say, right? Because um, who goes, man, I'm going through a really hard time. What a joy. <laughs> But he gives the reason why. And he says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Mm. And the truth is, and I don't say this to be glib, I don't say this to make light of anyone's suffering. And I can't even tell you, like, the, the okay, you know, I'll say, um, God might allow you to go through something so that it matures you. And you might go, well, how did this mature me? And I, I don't know. I don't know. But I've also never been on the other end of eternity. So I can't, okay, I, maybe I can't see why something may not be redemptive here in this life. But I can't conclude that it won't do something in my soul, in my heart, in my loved one's soul or heart for eternity. Because I've never experienced eternity. So, so what, like, what would I know? But that's the idea. Listen, there there are some things that only fire can uh, bring out. There there are some things that only uh, pain can mold. Um, but I think it would be a mistake to think that that God is indifferent towards it. Like, if I could, let me say it like this. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I've got two boys, right? And um, when our first son was born, uh, Ben. They do this thing, you know, like with babies where you go back to the hospital a few days after the baby's born and they, they take some blood and they test them for jaundice and all, all kinds of stuff, right? And so we went back to the hospital and um, they said to, to my wife, Katie, and me, like, hey, only one of you can go back uh, to, to do this test. 
So I said, I'll take Ben back. So he's asleep. He's swaddled up. And I'm thinking, man, maybe he'll sleep through this test. Okay. So nurse comes over, kind of gently brings his little foot out of his blanket. And um, he's fast asleep. And, and so she goes and she gets a little blade that she's going to cut his, his foot and then uh, take the blood from. And so she takes the blade, cuts his little foot. And uh, it's really, really hard to get blood onto this like sheet thing and also like a vial for it to all go in. And um, when she does that, I watch him kind of stir like, huh, like a little bit and then wake up and then just begin to scream at the top oh. of his lungs. Ah! Right. And then like she finishes and I mean, he's like clawing, like wailing, like flailing his arms around. And then um, she, she leaves to go take the, the blood sample. And I think she needs to over the counter. And while she's doing that, I'm trying to console him. Hey, it's okay. It's okay. Buddy. It's okay. And, um, and I hear that. I hear like the sound of something clattering and then an expletive from the nurse. And I said, so what happened? She goes, I, I dropped the vial oh. of, of his blood. And so she came back and did it all over again. Oh. Um, and it was, it was awful. And I think about that moment a little bit because I think about, man, what would that have been like if I was Ben? Mm-hmm. Right. And here I am, I'm, I'm in my dad's arms. Every interaction I've had with him up until that moment has been pretty good. Um, and yet this guy is holding me in place while I'm experiencing pain and suffering. This person who seems to be like loving towards me, but, but uh, this is a betrayal. It would, it would feel like an absolute betrayal, right? And the hard yeah. part is this, like there's no way to explain medicine to an infant. Right. There's no way to explain hey, like jaundice or blood test. Like they, they, they have no framework for that, right? Um, and it's not because I lack the ability to communicate. It's that he lacks the ability to understand. But listen to this. At no point in that process was I ever like, oh, I like that this is happening to my son. Yeah. To the point where like, man, if it could be me instead of him, 100%, like 100 times over. Absolutely. But I have to hold him in place like that, not because I hate him, not because I'm indifferent, but because I love him. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes our, our our pain and suffering, like, do I think God sees every hurt I've ever been through? Yes, I do. And I can go like, Lord, why did you allow it? Okay. And maybe he'll give me an answer. Maybe he won't. But I do know this. I do know that he sees things I don't see. And he knows things that I don't know. And every revelation of him that he's shown himself to be is a person of love who loves me so much he's given up his own life for me. And if that's how he behaved towards me before I cared anything about him, why would I conclude now that even though I want to know him, he would be somehow aloof or distant or or uh, indifferent towards my cries? While you're talking, I, I was reminded of John 9. Okay. As he went along, this is Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Yeah. Jesus responds, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And uh, for me, whenever whenever someone's asked me why do Christians suffer, like why why do people suffer if mm-hmm. there's a God, I, I've always kind of, <laughs> I guess you could call that like the get out of jail free card. Like, oh, well, God's going to do something amazing in you. Mm-hmm. And um, that might be true. Or yeah. we just live in a fallen world. Well, I mean, so again, there's there's any number of reasons, right? In that in that instance, yes, like 
God's going to be glorified and a blind man is going to receive his sight, right? Uh, and Jesus is responding to his, his disciples kind of indifference where they, be, they believe, listen, if something is going wrong in your life, it must be because you've offended God or he's, he's getting you in some way, right? Um, no, not always. Not always. Um, there's a reason that New Testament identifies our sufferings as partnering with Christ and our refinement for sure. But also like we would be remiss if we say, you know what, that means that there's never a reason why we suffer apart from uh, God's refining it. And maybe in the big sense that that's true, but I guess what I'm getting at is this idea of like, there is biblical precedent for people receiving uh, punishment uh, for their actions, right? Like in the here and now, I'm not saying that to be glib, I'm not saying, hey, every time you've sinned or, or every time you sin or every time you, you suffer, it's because you've done something wrong. I don't believe that. I think the broken world that we live in um, is behind that. And yet, let's acknowledge that sometimes we do things that bring hurt upon ourselves. <laughs> right? Like there's a reason. I shouldn't be laughing, but there's. No, but there are. We right? make bad decisions, yeah. Yeah. and that's why things are yeah. bad. Well, there's a reason that Galatians 6 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Uh, whatever a man sows, he also reaps. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going through life, let's say, for instance, maybe, you know what? You've been married for a while. You neglect your spouse. You speak down to them when you see them. You uh, you make an idol out of your career, and, and then your relationship falls apart. Okay, did God do that, or did or and I'm not I'm not trying to to be dismissive, but or was it you made some decisions and you are unfortunately bearing with the consequences to your actions? Hey, you know what? God in His grace and kindness may walk with you through and, and help you heal and help you stand back up. But I, I wouldn't be like, you know, you know, I, I, I eat deep fried food every meal and I put on weight. Why did God allow that? Because he allowed me to eat. But that, <laughs> but, but that, but that was my choice, right? Yeah. Um, and then there, look, there are other places we could think about where people, people do things. I'm thinking about in first Corinthians where like people, they partake in communion in ways that are disrespectful towards the Lord or, or Ananias and Sapphira in Acts five, where they, lie to the Holy Spirit and lie to the church and and they suffer divine wrath mm-hmm. um, because God's not mocked. And 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 as much as we can make this this sort of let me pass the buck and and uh hey it might not be the bad reason that you think we can't say that across the board there may never be a reason where God's hand may not come forward because while yes creation is broken, he still does intervene. Mm-hmm. And so okay could we be suffering because um, he's refining us. Yeah. Could we say we we are suffering because maybe we're under spiritual attack? Yeah. Um, but also we could be suffering because us. Yeah. And and I think the only way that that you can know is is hindsight. Other than like getting on your face, praying, Lord, is there anything in me you need to convict? Is there anything, any relationships you need me to make right? Um, we can only look at ourselves with with sober judgment in any of this, but there is no one answer to why do um, Christians suffer. It just depends on what's going on. Yeah. So I'm glad you actually said that specifically uh, because we've been talking about why do people suffer? Like if there is a God, why do people suffer? Uh, But the episode title is why do Christians suffer? Yeah. And, you know, maybe not everyone's thinking that specifically. It just made it, it worked for our 
our episode title yeah <laughs> and the way we name episodes yeah but, but like you know well if if christians are walking with the lord then then why are bad things still happening right and well, and you have kind of our you've already answered that mm-hmm. it's just that the christians are not exempt from the fallen world that we live in but i mean shouldn't christians have a little extra protection or something <laughs> Well, so here's the thing. In John 16, 33, Jesus makes a promise that most of us wish he never made. Promise, Mr. Ford. <laughs> he says, um, in this world, you will have trouble. Mm. Not might, will. But then he says, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Mm. Meaning the worst that this world can do to you is still not greater than the power of the Lord. Mm. Um. Think of it in this way. The worst that this world can do is death, right? Kill you. I mean, there's, there's not a, a worse fate. Like that, that is the final thing. And yet death itself, God in Christ has flipped into his ultimate example of faithfulness and victory to us in the resurrection of the dead. Mm. One day, just as Jesus rose, he will also raise us. And what I would say in the interim is this, okay? Like if you're walking with Christ, and you're, and you're, you know, you're walking in a spirit of humility and repentance. And um, Lord, you know, I just want to know you. Um, here's the promise that we have. This is Romans eight twenty eight. Paul says, "We know that uh, all things work together for for the good of those who love God, and who are called according to His purpose." Meaning, God is working all things together for us. Okay, I don't, I don't know how this is going to uh, work for my benefit. I don't know how that's going to work for my benefit, but I know. According to the scriptures, every person who loves God, ultimately he is moving it together in a way that will build us up, not destroy us. Mm. I feel like we also went into this in our heaven episode. Why do Christians believe in heaven? Because mm. uh, we were specifically talking about you know our recent losses yeah. and how we don't have to be like death isn't the end, right? And so, if you're curious about any of that, maybe. Maybe you're listening to this podcast because you have recently lost someone yeah. because suffering happened and uh, you're just not sure where to turn to. I want to invite you to check out that episode too. Absolutely. And can I also say like, um, maybe you're listening to this podcast and um, you feel betrayed or a rage towards God. Here's what I know. I know that, you know, if you're to sort of go, I don't believe in God because of this, everyone believes in something, mm-hmm. right? So there's, there's a joke, I, 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 you know, it's an old adage that people said, you know, uh, there are two tenets of atheism, which is basically there is no God and I hate him, right? Um, and maybe for you, I'm rejecting faith because I just can't accept this God. And here's what I would tell you. Abandoning God will not fix your pain. In fact, if you're in a place that's, you know, like I'm, um, the only way I can make sense is, you know, I'm going to sort of throw my hands up at the heavens and, and for, forget God or whatever. You're missing out on the best way to cope with and be consoled in your pain. And that is knowing a person, the living Jesus Christ. Uh, it is abandoning a community of believers who can walk alongside you in life here and now. And so the solution to your pain, I think, is not the rejection of God. But I also want to be careful if I have, in, in all like the stuff that, that I've said or that, that Mark said, if we have communicated to you any kind of pithy or glib response towards any heartache that you've been through, mm. that is not our intent. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we're sorry for that. Um, but what we want you to hear from us is that God, uh, pain does not disprove the existence of God, first of all. Um, but it also doesn't tell us who God is. Um, what tells us who God is are his actions in the world clearly demonstrated in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I can, in my feelings, feel like God doesn't care. And I can feel like God doesn't see me. But there is an empty tomb regardless of how I feel. And every time I look at that empty tomb, I'm reminded, no, this is who God is. That he loves me so much he's given himself up for me. And the same is true for you. And I would just want to encourage you and say, you can know him now and he will help you through it. The solution is not the abandoning of God. Well, I'm angry at him. Bring that anger to him. He's a big boy. He can take it. Don't think that by put, like putting him at arm's length, you will feel better. If you do, I think you're lying to yourself and you're lying to the people that you're talking to about faith. Um, because you can have peace that quiets this rage. And, and I understand, like, okay, I've been through my share of grief. And maybe, you know, if we were to compare scars, you could tell me about how your scars are so much deeper and worse than mine. Maybe they are, okay? Here's what I know, though. I know that I wouldn't make it without God. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I would just hate for you to go through life and not know the one who has helped me so much. Your pain doesn't have to be the thing that removes you from relationship with God. It can be the thing that propels you towards him. And in doing that, you find healing. Mm. We started this episode. I, I I brought up how I was recently diagnosed type one diabetic, and uh, I have grown so much closer to the Lord since that diagnosis. Because mm. uh, you you can't do anything to get it. It's just something that happens to your body. There's a lot of diseases and disorders and things that just happen. And right. You just drew the short straw in the, not even the gene pool, but just, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just want to be transparent. It's, it's been one of the hardest things I've ever gone through in my life. You know, just yesterday we had kind of a, an office get together and all across the conference table was everything you could think of from candy kitchen <laughs> Reese's cups. And, uh, there were fancy coffee creamers and everything had sugar in it. And I just had to stare at it for eight hours yesterday. <laughs> and I was so mad. Mm. I was so mad most of the day. And I, I just, I had to give it to the Lord even still. Mm-hmm. I'm going through this thing. I can't do anything about it. I live in a fallen world, but this is not the end. Right. This is temporary. Right. Even though it's hard. Yeah. It's temporary. Yeah. And, and again, maybe, maybe you hear that and you go like, that's nothing compared to what I've been through. No. Okay. Um, what I would tell you is that there have been people throughout Christian history who have been through the depths of the worst that this world has to offer. And again, their pain is not the thing that that destroys their faith. Like, Actually, if I could just be, let me just, for one more second. Um, it's interesting to note that all, like there are Christians all over the world, right? I mean, Christians in first world countries, uh, 
Christians in impoverished nations. And, and something to just check is that typically the idea of where is God when it hurts, like that, or the belief that, okay, if there's pain and suffering in the world, that must mean there is no God. That kind of viewpoint usually is found more in first world countries than places that are like denied things like food and water, hmm. ready, uh, ready medical access and things like that. It's an issue for those of us who world standard wise probably have it a lot better than, than many others. Interesting. Um, I mean, I say maybe what we do is, is we just pray and, uh, why don't we pray for the person who's who's going through a really difficult time right now and they're wondering where God is in any of it or maybe they've decided, you know, I want nothing to do with God because of this. Um, Mark, would you mind just praying for him as, as, as we close out? Yeah. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for being here. Uh, the moment we start this prayer, God, you are you are in our presence. Lord, we get to stand before you. God, thank you for being available. Lord, (laughs) we're just a bunch of people who mess up. Yeah, it's a fallen world. We're fallen people too. And whether there's things in our lives that hurt that we deserve, things that we've brought on ourselves, or maybe it was we just drew the short stick and, and we've got a harder life. It feels like it's harder than everyone else around us. Mm-hmm. God, you are there. You are there in the midst of it. We thank you for your consistency. Lord, you don't you don't run away, you don't disappear, God, but you are with us. God, I lift up the person who's listening today who is wrestling with this hurt, the unfairness of it all. Yeah. Lord, would you just be, would they just be so aware of your presence right now? Because you are there, Lord. God, we don't know why things happen, whether you're going to work a miracle in our lives, whether something else is going to fix it. There'll be a miracle in science that'll fix this disease or or maybe it's something that we'll carry for the rest of our lives. God, you are still good. It doesn't change who you are. Yeah, My Lord. circumstances don't change who you are. And God, I just, I ask that you would make that so prevalent in the life of the person who's listening to this prayer. God, help us to see your goodness amidst the tragedy and the hardship. God, thank you. We trust you. Lord, we give this up to you. We let you have control of it. We pray this in your perfect name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, man, before we go, just while we were praying, I, I just felt like, um, I don't know, just, just an inkling to, to reiterate one more time. Yeah. Um, because I, I felt like maybe there's somebody listening who, um, where, where they are, they just, it, it's, like they're right on the cusp of okay maybe I can let this go I can lay this down but they just don't want to do that and so they're going like no I'm sorry like if there's pain in the world it means God can't be all good and he can't be all loving and I want to just say to you the existence of pain does not prove or disprove anything okay and and how we can know that um, 
okay, let's say that, all right, pain and suffering in the world. Well, there could be a God who's malevolent, who enjoys suffering of people, right? I mean, I don't think there is, but there could be. Pain does not prove or disprove anything. What we would say as Christians is this. We can know that that's not who God is by the empty tomb, that he's demonstrated his kindness, care, and love towards us. And so again, don't go with how you feel. Go with how God has proven and revealed himself in human history. Mm-hmm. That That's why we believe what we believe. That's good. Thank you for adding that in, Bert. If this is brand new for you, or maybe you're experiencing God in a new way, please reach out. Podcast at wearethebridge.org. We would love to just help you along the way. And it's uh, it's a journey, whether it's your, your walk with God or navigating pain. It doesn't just disappear. It doesn't just go away. But it is a journey, and we'd love to help you get started on that journey. Uh, towards towards healing, towards pursuing the Lord. And uh, if you have any questions about this topic, we'd love to answer them for you. Podcast at wearethebridge.org. Also, I want to thank Amy for bringing up the, the topic of this podcast. Thanks, because... Amy. <laughs> and uh, if you do have questions that you'd like us to tackle in a future episode, you can send them to podcast at wearethebridge.org. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.